You are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast. I am D.O. He is Coleman. J.C. And you are going to enjoy the next umpteen minutes where we are going to entertain you, educate you, inspire you. And if we don't do all three, let's at least do one. Yes. Spread too thin for the win. Go ahead. Mark it down. Write it up. That's the title. That's what you and I want to talk about because we were just chatting about this two days ago. Okay. And you're like, whoa, whoa, stop, stop, stop. This would make a great episode. As most of them are. As most. <laughs> well, I don't know if most episodes are great, but most episodes come from conversations you and I have offline. Correct. Or you overhear me having someone else and you come running into my <laughs> office a la Kramer on Seinfeld. Yeah. Except for you don't have any hair. hair Kramer's hair has been set on fire. And you're like, Dio, 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 stop, stop, stop. That would make a great episode. And you're like, what? What did I say? Yeah, I'm like, what did I say? <laughs> um, no, spread too thin for the win. It really comes, uh, we, were, we were actually coaching a couple younger loan officers. Mm-hmm. And um, so I started talking to them about you know, how to go after business and all the different channels of accounts you could you could chase, but how you don't want to chase all seven or all eight or all nine, you want to find two or three to go after. Okay. And that probably applies to just about every industry. Like we had a, uh, one of our first uh, guest speakers was uh, Rob Farragher. Yep. And you and I, you, Rob, and I actually just got going a little fun red snapper fishing trip together. Shout out, Rob. Shout out to Rob. Shout out to Coleman, who uh, just drug out of the bottom of the ocean. This like. <laughs> Looked like 45 pound. I think she was only about 16 pound red snapper. Tip of the day. Do not start drinking Stella Artois at 530 in the morning. No, do not. it did not bode well for you, but it did help you land the biggest fish. It did. But uh, but no, it, it, it'll apply to Rob. Like I think about Rob. Rob, um, he is a financial advisor, Okay. but he does not spread himself too thin. He is hyper-focused on what he is good at. And what he is good at primarily revolves around 401ks. Okay. That doesn't mean he can't be great at life insurance and he can't be great at understanding uh, 529 plans. 529 plans are uh, college savings plans for for children. It doesn't mean he couldn't be great at um, day trading or great at managing people's finances or their budgets. It just means that he doesn't want to spread himself too thin and be okay at seven or eight different things. He wants to be really good at one Mm. and maybe have one or two secondary channels that he also concentrates on. Um, And then if you start thinking about spread too thin to win, how does this apply? We're going to talk about it on the loan officer aspect because that's what I tend to know best is what does it take to be a great loan officer? Like when I was a great loan officer, I was closing Roughly 15 transactions a month back then with my average loan size, that probably equated to about 36 million. Okay. In today's world with rates being as low as they are and refis are through the roof. Yeah. 36 million, 150 units is laughable, Mm. but I promise you just three or four years ago, (laughs) that was enough to put, to put me in the top 1% of all loan originators in the U S Spokane to Key West, everywhere in between. Mm. And when you're teaching a loan officer, especially a younger loan officer, this business, and we're going to talk about from a sales and marketing standpoint, and we're going to assume that they don't work for a bank where they're getting leads from the bank, or they don't work for a call center where they kind of look like you and I, they have a headset on, they're sitting in front of a keyboard with a mic, and they're just uh, taking phone call after phone call after phone call. No, this is someone who is 
to me, the, the, the upper echelon of professional because not only do they have to be the best technician, but they also have to be the best marketer, the best self-promoter, the best at communicating, the best at taking applications. Mm. You just got to be the best at everything as a mortgage loan originator. You have to know where you can get business. Mm. But what we want to do is we never want to f- try to do it all at once. You want to pick one to three and be really good at it. Okay. And I'd probably say two to three. I'd never recommend one because you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. Mm. All right. So let's first think about if I'm a mortgage loan originator, where can I go to get business? I would say realtors. Realtors, by far, ding, 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 ding. The number one source for business in 2020, real estate agents. Now that's because no one ever wakes up saying, gosh, I would love to go in debt for 30 years. That sounds amazing. Let me go get a mortgage, (laughs) right? People wake up and they're like, oh my God, I wanna be a homeowner. I want to go look in this neighborhood. I want to be in this school district. I would love to have my own yard because I have a dog. Mm -hmm. I was just talking to my nephew and his girlfriend about this. They're at that point in their lives where they're like, oh, we're really considering becoming homeowners. We would love to have our own house, not with roommates. We'd like to have a yard because we now have a dog. Mm -hmm. And that's where they are. Um, So no one wakes up saying, I want to go in debt. They're saying, I want a home. Yeah. Uh, So therefore, they tend to reach out to realtors. Now, they may reach out to realtors a thousand different ways. Um, they either find realtors through realtor.com or Zillow, or they walk into what's called an open house or their parents, friends, next door neighbors, a realtor. Somehow they go to the realtor first Mm -hmm. and any good realtor is going to ask, are you paying cash or are you going to take advantage of today's super low interest rates from there? When they realize they're not paying cash, they're going to say, well, you need to be pre-approved. Let me refer you to a lender. Yep. Now a realtor can never pay a, a, or a lender can never pay a realtor for a referral. That's like uh, uh-uh, illegal, lose your license, pay a fine, maybe go to jail. Not good. Yeah. But a realtor understands that a mortgage loan originator, a good one can only help them look good and can make sure they don't waste their time. Yep. They can protect their paycheck. So they need to have a couple good loan officers in their back pocket. Yep. Therefore, even in today's technology information age, a realtor in my professional opinion is going to be the number one. Um, most reliable lead source, but not the only. Hmm. All right. Close to a realtor, where do you think another good avenue would be to try to uh, generate referrals for your mortgage loan origination business? Uh, I'm going to go with Builder. Builder for the win. Survey says. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. So Builders legit are phenomenal Referral sources, they are harder to break into. It is a much longer sales cycle. A lot of times builders may already own their own mortgage company, at which point they give incentives for home buyers to use that Mm -hmm. mortgage company. If you are a mortgage loan originator and you know that, you have to find a unique way to build a relationship, usually utilizing product. Maybe your mortgage company has a product that builder's mortgage company doesn't have. You can just be their product person. Sometimes builders prefer to refer banks that maybe they get their commercial lines of credit from. Okay. Right? Makes sense. If you're a bank, John, and you're giving me $20 million a year to build subdivisions, and your bank also has a mortgage division, I maybe want to scratch your back. I maybe want to refer your bank as long as they do good by my clients because I rely on you to give me construction money. In return, I'm going to refer you 
you know, that just just makes sense. But builder is a great avenue. Yeah. And if you're going to go after builder, I promise you cannot be stretched too thin to, and, and you will not win on this because this is a long-term, high-touch relationship that takes months, if not years, to build, meaning you will have meeting after meeting, emails, and drop pop-bys and coffee appointments and all waiting for your opportunity. And when you get that one opportunity, you hope you can shine. Mm. So it's it's a longer process to where you're going to have to dedicate time and consistency to it. If you're trying to hit too many uh, silos, if you think of a referral yeah. source as, as multiple silos or cylinders, you're not going to be consistent enough to actually make the builder work mm. or to make the builder relationship work. Mm. So we have realtors, we have builders. Mm-hmm. What else? You know what? I'm going to throw out there um, maybe HR reps, HR uh, departments and large corporations. Yes. Human resources. Show it to me on the board. (laughs) It's there. But think about what it takes to go after an HR manager. What are you trying to do? What are you trying to solve for? Why does an HR manager want to talk to you? Well, if I'm an HR manager, I understand that I want to bring value added to my associates. Well, what's something that I can bring? Well, maybe... I can bring an educational series that's sponsored by a local mortgage company. Hmm. Maybe that local mortgage company comes into my office on a quarterly basis. They bring pizza or they bring Panera or they bring Chipotle, some kind of a lunch, at which point they either speak on a topic of interest, home loans, buying a home. Maybe they bring in a financial advisor. Maybe they bring in a CPA because it's tax season. Maybe they bring in a new a, a home builder. Hmm. But... More importantly, they're bringing value to my associates if I'm the HR manager, and value is also maybe a discount on their services. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's a free appraisal. Maybe they link in with a realtor. It's a free appraisal, and the realtor will give back half a percent of his or her commission. Mm -hmm. So you can call on an HR manager, but know that it's something that if that's going to be your angle, you need to have a game plan, and you need to stick to it. Stick to it at a minimum six months. I prefer 12 And if you really have an audacious goal, it's 24 months. It's for 24 months, come hell or high water, you are going to focus on consistently calling on this this particular account Mm -hmm. and get better at it. When you have a swing and a miss, try something different. When you have a success, continue on that success and enhance it. But you're not going to I'll try it this week. I'll try something else next week. I'll try it for 90 days and try something else for 90 days. Mm. No, if you're going to try any one of these, you need to stick to it. Minimum six months. I prefer 12 and preferably like 24 months. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of when I got into the mortgage industry. Steve Walsh told me, give me 24 months of your life and I'll hand you a successful career. Mm. That's when I sold TV advertising. I knew if I was going into a new client and only signing them up for a three-month advertising campaign, I was, for the most part, taking their money. (laughs) They weren't going to have results. I needed, at a minimum, six months. Six months for them to stick to it because we need to figure out what time was the best time to run commercials, Mm -hmm. what ad was the best ad, what programs were the best programs. And you you have to play with it a little bit. You have to massage it. You can't do that in 90 days. Mm -hmm. All right, so there's three referral sources. Let's try to get seven for the audience. I think we can. Shit. I think we can get seven. Okay. Throw out number four. Uh, the, the Teachers. Okay. So I like where you're going with this. 
you're um, reaching a little bit, yeah. right? You're as if I challenged you to do nine or 12. <laughs> yeah. But how about this? Professional organizations. Ah. Okay. What if you have a phenomenal doctor loan? And maybe your phenomenal doctor loan allows dentists. And maybe, you know, your competitors, for whatever reason, probably because they've seen the hangover, mm. <laughs> they don't think dentists are real doctors. Yeah. <laughs> Luckily, your company does. Yeah. Luckily, Dustin Owen does. One of my good friends is a dentist. He is a doctor. Um, but... <laughs> Yeah, I say that in jest, and, and, and it's, a, it's one of the funnier scenes in that movie when his friends are constantly making fun of him because he's always introduced himself as a doctor, and they're like, you're not a doctor, you're a dentist. Um, on, on your same thought of a silo of, of potential referrals, mm -hmm. what if I joined my local um, chapter of dentist? Mm -hmm. Dentists had their own professional organization, and I joined as a vendor, and I made it known that my company offers specific home loans geared towards dentist. Hmm. Now, I would want to ingrain myself in that. I'd want to find out um, where they golf. I want to find out um, where they do their business planning sessions. Are there any particular like annual conferences that they attend? Um, and more importantly, I want to attend anything local that they do. Hmm. Now, you could do that for a teacher's union. You do that for a police officer's union. I even thought for loan officers in Orlando, or really any major market that has a major airport, Orlando's one of them, Atlanta's one of them, Boston, New York, et cetera, et cetera. TSA agents, mm. who has a more thankless job than TSA agents? But TSA agents have steady, consistent, provable income, and a lot of them want to be homeowners. Mm. What could I do to ingrain myself with TSA agents? Maybe I live in Atlanta, and in Atlanta is where UPS, that's mm. where their headquarters is. Or maybe you're in Memphis, Tennessee, and FedEx, that's where the headquarters is. What can I do? You know, that, that kind of falls in line with the HR manager, but mm -hmm. you know, on a larger scale. The, the teacher, the firefighters, yeah. the TSA agents, what are you doing? That could be something that you dedicate your time to. Yeah. What you want to do, and this is going to be really the, the third silo, is COI, your circle of influence. Ah. Okay, your COI is going to be everything to you. This is your, if you're going to have a Mac Daddy wedding, like I'm talking like literally a royal wedding, who are you going to invite? And then from that list, you should be reaching out to those people to see who do they know that runs HR? Mm. Who do they know that's a realtor? Who do they know that's a builder? Who do they know that works for TSA or works for a major, major company? Let them know what you're trying to accomplish. And then from there, you can get names and numbers that coincide with, with one of the three silos mm. that you're going to choose. But your COI, it should be everyone. Everyone should be marketing their COI unless for whatever reason they don't have one. Like let's say this is your second life because you're in WITSEC. Like maybe two years ago you were running from the drug cartel and then you, uh, you, know, federally, you were subpoenaed on a federal level, you testified, and now you're in WITSEC. Okay, you don't have a COI. Yeah. Most of us, though, we, that doesn't apply to us, and yeah. we do have a COI. Um, circle of influence. Mm -hmm. Your college buddies. Your Mac Daddy wedding. Uh, if you recently transitioned to the mortgage industry from a different industry, the folks you used to work with. Yeah. Okay, and you want to work those people. Like, you want to work them, whether you work them on Facebook, on Instagram, 
or just by putting together fishing outings like you and I just mm -hmm. did or golf outings or parties at your house or hooking up for drinks after work. Like mm. don't hide from why you're wanting to get together, but definitely work those people so that they know how you can help them and how you can help other people that you want. Gotcha. Right. So your circle of influence is definitely one of those people. Yeah. Um, what, what other guesses do you have as potential referral sources? Damn. Well, realtors, builders. Um, oh, I need to get my taxes done and they're really complicated. CPAs. Yes. Yeah. CPA. A CPA, because you know what they do? They look at people's total financial picture. Hmm. And if they're doing a loan or loan, <laughs> CPAs do not do loans. If they're if they're doing taxes for someone and they notice that they're not a homeowner, um, a lot of times a CPA would be like, uh, you should consider buying a home. Hmm. Or a lot of times there's people who just rely on their CPA for everything, especially a self-employed person. And if you're a lender, maybe you're really good at self-employed tax returns. Well, you're really good at it because so many others aren't. Yeah. Okay. A CPA could be a great referral source, but you have to make it part of your overall business plan and you can't skim over it. You, you can't try to say, I'm going to call on realtors and builders and I'm going to reach out to the teacher union and I'm going to reach out to this particular hospital. And I also want to call on CPAs and I also want to, yeah. no, no, no. No, we're going to talk about all the different silos, all the different funnels for business or for referrals. My goal is that you take two or three after listening mm -hmm. and say you're going to dominate those two or three. Yeah, Those two or three are going to dominate. So CPA is one of them. And CPAs are, are folks that typically don't have that many good local lenders that they, they know, like, and trust. Mm -hmm. But if you can get with them and they know that you can make them look good because their clients are calling them and usually their clients, by the way, in today's day and age, especially if you're using a CPA, you probably have some convoluted tax returns. Yeah. You're probably self-employed or you have a boatload of money. Okay. Those types of people sometimes are harder to obtain home loans with. So if you're an expert at deciphering and calculating self-employed income, mm. then maybe you want to bring that knowledge to CPAs yeah. so that CPAs can turn around and refer you to their clients when they're looking to buy a house. It's interesting. I never thought about it, but it makes so much sense when you think about the two, like how intertwined the two industries are mm -hmm. with one another. Well, yeah, and, and this is a question for a CPA. And I, and I know our most recent tax uh, law has um, put provisions on mortgage interest and in the, in the tax deduction ability of it. Mm -hmm. But for some people, mortgage interest couldn't still be deducted from their taxes. So there's certain CPAs that would actually recommend, at least back in the day, Damn. that someone finance their home, maybe instead of paying cash, mm -hmm. or someone go out and buy a home instead of rent because maybe they can use the interest deduction. Right. Now, look, I'm not a CPA never planned to be a CPA. And right now mortgage rates are like 3%. So there's really not a whole lot of interest to deduct. Mm -hmm. But again, if I'm a mortgage loan originator and I have an end with some CPAs or I'm really good at self-employed tax returns, I might want to make that one of my silos. Mm. So CPAs help me file and pay my taxes properly, legally, ethically, and hopefully they help me minimize my tax exposure. Mm -hmm. But who helps me make all my money or, or more importantly, make money on the money I save, my investments? Like uh, your uh, investment advisor. Yeah, financial advisor. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. Damn. Financial advisors are phenomenal referral sources. 
especially in today's market. So check this out. If I'm a financial advisor, I get paid based on money under management. How much money am I managing? Mm -hmm. Right? So if I want to get a pay increase, I need to manage, manage, more, manage money. more money. Well, yeah. how do I manage more money? I either need to get money out of my current clients, right? So if, if John's already given me 200 bucks a month, how do I get it to 400? Mm. And if I have 100 John Coleman's as my clients mm -hmm. and each of them gave me an extra $200 a month, a what does that look like? Yeah. Or I need to go out and bring on more clients. So now it's, I'm not having to service 100 John Coleman's, it's 150. Mm. Well, I don't know about you, but personally as a financial advisor, I would prefer to do more with less. I'd rather have deeper, more meaningful relationships with less people mm. and increase how much assets I have under management than to go out and try to get new. Cause yeah. guess what I'm doing there? I'm stretching myself. What? Too thin. Too thin. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You can't, you can't win and be stretched thin, but I do need to increase my personal revenue. And I can only do that by increasing my, um, money under, uh, under yeah. management. So why would a certified financial advisor, why would a, 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 a financial advisor want a mortgage person? Well, what if I noticed that John Coleman owes $300,000 on his mortgage and his rate is at four and a half percent? Oh, yeah. Why wouldn't I want to go to John Coleman and say, hey, you know, kind of like that guy on that podcast <laughs> always says, he's not a financial advisor. He plays one on TV. But hey, I am a, like, <laughs> I'm not a, if, <laughs> I, if I'm speaking in the voice of this financial advisor, I'm not a mortgage advisor, but I know one. Yeah. Here's what I think you should do, John. I think you should reach out to. Dustin owner over at Waterstone Mortgage and talk to him and his team about a refinance. Because if you owe 300,000 at four and a half percent, they may be able to get you three or three and a quarter. Yep. You could save 300 bucks a month. And then give me 200. And keep 100 for yourself. <laughs> yes, I see. Yes. Or what if that financial advisor can look at your total plan and be like, oh my God, John, you're bringing, you're bringing 10 grand a month in, but you have like five grand a month going out and you have all this equity in your home but we're not going to be able to meet your retirement goals mm. unless you start sending more money over the fence. You start investing more. Mm. Well, you can't bleed a turnip, right? You can't. Mm. Pull, you, uh, so how am I going to, that 10 grand is still 10 grand. Aha. Hey, John, I'm your financial advisor, but I'm recommending you reach out to Dustin Owen over at Waterstone Mortgage because they can do what's called a cash out refinance and they can maybe consolidate mm -hmm. some of this debt you have, get it paid off, lower your monthly payment, on your mortgage, yeah, um, and all why the while you've you've just freed up a thousand dollars a month because they paid off some of your negative debt because they lowered your interest rate because they leveraged equity to consolidate date debt. Now of that thousand dollars, you can give me five hundred a month to make sure that I'm contributing to your IRA, your wife's IRA, and your kids' college fund. Yeah. And you take the rest of the money and you go ahead and max out your 401k at work so that when you are 65 and a half, you will be able to retire. Damn. So a financial advisor is a phenomenal, especially in a market like this, referral source. So we've talked about realtors. Mm -hmm. We've talked about builders. Mm -hmm. We've talked about the COI, mm -hmm. work it. We've talked about HR managers, mm -hmm. CPAs, financial advisors, mm -hmm. and the plethora of trade unions and trade organizations. Mm -hmm. It's a matter of what works best for you. Mm. I mean, if you have a friend who is the general manager at the local Ford dealership, that should be one of your accounts that you should spend the next year 
just working that Ford dealership because there's a good chance that Ford dealership has 100 associates. Statistically speaking, one in seven will obtain a home loan this year. Yeah. So seven goes into 100 how many times? It goes in there roughly 16 times. Okay, 16 people every year are going to be getting a home loan. Would you like to have five or six of those home loans? Yeah. Of course you would. Right? So mm-hmm. so there's there's so many different avenues, but what I what I really need people to focus on is don't stretch them don't stress themselves too thin. What three are you going to do? Just mm. three. How do you would you hold a three yeah, this I, way? For anyone who's who's watching us on YouTube, I threw up the three like Oh, you did three like I'd this. I like like okay. But like some people do three like this. No, that's that's technical. Okay. Three. And you do three, three like like three. this. Yeah. Okay. Three. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of that scene in Inglorious Bastards. Yeah. <laughs> where um, uh, there's a guy who's I think a French guy spying or Italian mm-hmm. guy spying as if he is uh, German, and he ends up getting shot and killed because he threw up three the wrong way. <laughs> um, I happen. digress. But anyhow, three. Three is a magic number. If you have to go to four, you better be damn good at it. If you only have two, pick one more to dominate. Mm-hmm. But three. For most of us, it's going to be COI and it's going to be realtor. realtor. The third you need to pick. And by the way, for anyone who's been in the business for a long while, someone like myself who has a thousand plus past clients, that is obviously also a silo to work. Mm. And if you're not working your past clients, start. And you may want to lump your past clients into COI. You may not. Or you may be that person who goes to four. Mm-hmm. You may go to four because you've been at it so long. You're so good. I was speaking more for someone who's new. Mm-hmm. Someone who's new isn't going to have much of a past client. Someone who is seasoned will. So you're going to want to have past client database and COI. What are your other two? There are some loan originators for and for whatever reason have made it to a point in their careers where they don't enjoy working with realtors. Mm. So they work COI, they work financial advisors and past clients. Hmm. Yeah, just because you and I said realtor is the number one, it is. But it doesn't mean it has to be a part of everyone's uh, three channels for business. Yeah. Right? So don't think realtor has to be. If you're new at this business, I'm almost going to mandate it. If you want to be successful, realtors is one of them. Mm-hmm. But you know, there, there are those that it is CPA, financial advisor, and past client, and that's it. Or it may be builder, past client, COI, that's it. So there's some successful, obviously this may be rhetorical, but there's some successful uh, loan originators out there that don't even use realtors or past clients. They might just do only builders. Correct. Um, if you're not using past clients, they then you, yeah, it's mind-boggling. It truly is mind-boggling that you don't do something to stay in front of your past clients. An annual... Mortgage review, a text message, a phone call, do you find, birthday do you, cards. Do you find a lot of uh, loan, origi- loan originators that you know not really working? Dude, you're staring at one. For a decade plus, I half-assed passively marketed to my past clients. Why? Because I'm an idiot? I don't know. <laughs> I honestly did not have a good reason. It was just assumed that, well, they'll reach out to me if they need me. Mm. Or it was fear. It, it was not, not knowing how I would pick up the phone and call them. Hmm. And it wasn't until I realized that if I call them and they tell me I'm the worst person ever and to lose their phone number, just because I called them doesn't mean they already didn't think that. <laughs> 
Wow, right? That... So once I realized, like, look, they may already think I'm the worst person ever and I never call them again, at least by calling them, I now know it. Yeah. Wow. Maybe if I'm really brave, I can ask them, man, what did I do? Because I never <laughs> want to do that to someone else. Yeah. But it, it's just that. It was it was a self-limiting belief that I'd be bothering someone. But what I realized is I wasn't calling these people to be their friend. I have enough friends. Mm. I wasn't calling these people because I necessarily was looking for a new spouse because I have a wife and I love her. I don't want any more kids. I have two kids. I love them. Mm-hmm. Don't need any new parents. So what was the reason to call them? To check in on them, make sure they're still doing good. And more importantly, to let them know that I'm still here. I'm still offering a pretty kick-ass service and to let me know when and how I could help them or someone they knew. Mm. Once I got over that fear and I could put it into that thought process, yeah. it made it real easy. Unfortunately, it took me from 2006 to 2016 to even recognize that. Damn. And I didn't, didn't even get good at it until like 2018. So what happened one day? You came into work one day, you're doing your thing, you're like, man, I have this book of business right here that I'm not even tapped into. Like, did something hit you over the head or was it just... Um, always a student. Always a student. Always a student. You're going to go to the conferences. You're going to go to the um, summits. You're going to hear, for the most part, the same thing over and over, regurgitated. Yep. And one day, it finally sticks. Maybe it was the messaging. Yeah. Maybe it was the person messaging it. But one day, it finally sticks, and it stuck. Mm. Um, and after that, I said, you know what? Come hell or high water, this is what I'm going to do. And also, there was a, um, a long ado kind of divorce or breakup between like a, a longstanding uh, realtor partnership that I was a part of. Mm. Um, you know, they grew their business. I grew my business uh, together, individually, independently. And, you know, life happened. Mm-hmm. But life happening meant that we agreed that we'd always be friends and always be grateful for everything we accomplished. But we probably weren't going to work together mm-hmm. um, in, the, in, in the same realm that we did. And when that happened, there was about four to five transactions a month that just disappeared mm-hmm. almost overnight. And it was trying to figure out how we wanted to reinvent ourselves. Because ah. at the end of the day, we're going to come into the office and put in our 40 to 50 hours a week. Where we get our leads from, there's a plethora of places. Mm. We got comfort getting the leads from one particular lead source. Now, that didn't mean that was the only particular lead source, mm. right? We were getting so many leads from that lead source that we chose not to go after different lead sources. The minute that lead source went away, yeah. we, it was a simple pivot. Uh, it was a simple uh, pivot. But in hindsight, I'm reminded that I wish I would have been working the past clients at the same time as that account. Uh-huh. Because then I could have optimized from 12 to 13 closings a month to 18 to 20 closings a month. Mm. Um, didn't scale it high enough. Didn't think deep enough. Mm. But, you know, as... Any loan originator, whether you're a rookie loan officer or whether you're a seasoned mortgage professional um, or heck, what if you're not a loan officer and, you know, again, you're a dentist, you're an attorney, you're a contractor, you're a handyman, Mm -hmm. you're a hairdresser, you're a nail tech. Here's the advice. Don't try to be all things to all people. Don't spread yourself too thin. You can't win if you're spread too thin. You can win and dominate if you can pick two or three, up to four max, but preferably two to three avenues or silos or funnels, channels, whatever you want to call them, three parts of your business that you are going to focus on so that you can continue to be good, get better, and dominate. Mm. 
So I'll throw this out there before we, we, we recap um, and move on from this episode. Okay. If I was a nail tech, mm-hmm. okay, pedicures, mm-hmm. hair, yep. tanning, yep. Um, obviously nails. Yep. Well, fitness in the gym, LA Fitness. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Do, do I offer some kind of a component? There's, there's so many things I could, I could spin off of mm-hmm. a, a nail salon that maybe I'm like, no, I don't do hair, I don't do massages, I don't do waxing. Yeah. Or maybe it's I only do yeah. waxing, nails, feet. I only do tanning, hair, nails. Yeah. But whatever it is, pick the three things that you're really good at and dominate them. Be better than what other people have to offer. You know, general dentistry does this. You know, they, now it's, it's becoming less hyper-focused, but it used to be, if you want implants, you go to a surgeon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You want your wisdom teeth pulled. You go to a surgeon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. You want braces. You go to an orthodontist. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. You need cleanings or cavities filled. Then you go to a general dentist. Yeah. Now, some general dentists have, have, figured out, you know what, there's room for cosmetics. Mm. Okay, well, if you want teeth whitening, we can do that too. Mm. Maybe a general dentist has figured out doing single implants is in their wheelhouse, Mm. but not doing a whole mouth, right? So even in dentistry, in law, do you want to do all law? Or do you want to focus on doing personal injury? Or do you want to do family? Or do you want to do DUI defense? I personally don't want to go to a lawyer that does it all because it means that they are not hyper-focused. They haven't done one particular thing well enough to be an expert at it. Hmm. As a loan officer, it applies to you. If you're not a loan officer, you're not a dentist, you're not an attorney, doctors, hmm. pretty highly specialized. Um, even when I go to my to the orthopedic doctor, which unfortunately, because I'm injury-prone, and I still treat my body like it's 20 and not 41. <laughs> when I go to the orthopedic, there's someone who just does ankles and knees, someone who does shoulders, someone who mm. does spine. They all work for the same practice, but they all don't try to do everything. Yeah. Do that in your business. So not just loan officers, although this show was geared towards my friends in the mortgage industry. It's for everybody. Do yourself a favor. Don't spread yourself too thin because you'll never win. He's John Coleman. I'm Dustin Owen. This is the Loan Officer Podcast. If you ever want to get a hold of John or myself, you can find us on Instagram, the Loan Officer Podcast. YouTube, if you're listening on uh, on iTunes, we are on YouTube. You can see us up front and personal yes. via video, the Loan Officer Podcast. Please subscribe. We would love to see you subscribe, give a review, share this, like this, send it to your friends. The more subscribers, the better. If you want to get a hold of me, I am Owen at waterstonemortgage.com, dustinowen.com, The Loan Officer Podcast on Facebook, and John Coleman, you can be found on Google or on this show twice a week. Yeah. Peace. Peace.